Let's take our Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. I guess you could say we're in an unintended series that, that we're doing on Sunday morning. We began with Christ going to the cross. We saw uh, His resurrection. We saw His ascension. We talked about His coming again. And... Uh, this morning we want to talk about His day, the day of the Lord that's going to uh, immediately happen here on the earth after we're taken out. First Thessalonians chapter number 5, let's begin reading verse number 1. It says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the darkness, we have not, not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. I want to use verse number 2 as our text, for ye yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. There's no doubt that we are living in some perilous times. Perilous times that look awful, uh, awfully much like what Paul described in his uh, first, uh, in his second epistle, excuse me, in his second epistle to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3, verse number 1, where he said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. We see that. They're covetous. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. We're seeing all of those things. Then in verse number 3, without natural affection. It's been all on the news this week. Without natural affection. We're talking about ladies crying for the right to kill their babies in the womb. That's not natural affection. That's not having natural affection. Truce breakers. False accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. And then in uh, verse 13 of that same chapter, uh, the Apostle Paul says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And we see that that is the case. Things are not getting better on this earth. Things are progressively getting worse. 
and many question why the Lord seemingly is allowing bad men to prosper and to go unpunished, such as appears to be happening on a wide-scale basis today. There are many who see uh, the Lord God as a pacifist. They see Him as too loving, too gentle, too kind, too, too good, too meek, and too mild to judge and punish the world and its inhabitants that have a callous disregard for His standards, His righteousness, and His way. And also we're seeing His people. Amen. They, got, they just really have an attitude against us. However, be assured that there's a coming a day when the Lord will deal with the unrighteousness of all men, and that will be when He reconciles accounts and the time period known as the day of the Lord. Now I want us to notice three, uh, three phrases in these verses that need some careful consideration by us. In verse number one, we see the, the phrase times and the season, the times and the seasons. This phrase is found only three times in the Word of God, and it refers primarily to God's plan for Israel. Uh, the word times means a space of time or interval, an individual opportunity. Uh, the word seasons means an occasion that is, uh, is set or a proper time. Uh, we, other places that you'll find it is in Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Daniel also talked about times and seasons. In Daniel chapter number 2, verse 20, so Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. And Acts chapter number 1, verse number 7, uh, Peter said and said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons. This is Jesus speaking, excuse me. Jesus said, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Uh, God has a definite plan for the nations of the world. And Israel is the key nation in his plan. When we are raptured out of here, the, the God will once again be dealing with the nation of Israel. Um, Another phrase we want to see is the day of the Lord there in verse number 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh. The day of the Lord. In the Bible, the word day can refer to a 24-hour day. But not always is it that way. In Genesis, it's clear that it's talking about 24-hour literal days. And the evening and the morning were the whatever day that the Lord said that it was. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or the seventh. Amen. There was the evening and the morning. That's a 24-hour day. And so we see that uh, uh, the Lord uh, sometimes uses a 24-hour day, but the word day also in Scripture can refer to a longer time during which God accomplished some special purpose. And the phrase the day of the Lord is referring to a particular special period of time. And we're going to look more closely at that in just a moment. But then we have there in verse 2 also said that that day is going to come, it cometh as a thief in the night. Thief in the night. The Lord Jesus Christ used this image in his own teaching. Uh, it describes the suddenness and surprise involved in the coming of the day of the Lord. Nobody expects a thief, do they? 
I mean, at, at night, you know, if we, we could, would, uh, uh, if a thief comes, probably going to catch us off guard, uh, at, at least a little bit. Some of us have ways of responding to that rather quickly, and uh, praise the Lord for that. But uh, listen, you know, a thief in the night, that's not something you want to see. And it describes the suddenness and surprise. In, in Revelation 3, verse 3, Jesus used this image to warn believers not to be caught napping. It was initially addressed to the church at Sardis, but could I remind you that those letters to the churches there are also addressed to whosoever has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so think of this as addressed to us also. In Revelation 3.3, says, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If thou therefore shalt not watch... I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Look at Luke chapter number 12 for just a moment. Luke chapter number 12. And we'll see several verses here in the Lord's teaching. Um, Luke 12 and verse number 37 through 40 here. Luke 12, look at verse number 37. And the Lord says here, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself, make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. The Lord's going to come at an hour when folks are not expecting it. And we can put all three of these concepts that we just uh, mentioned together and discover what Paul wanted to teach the church of the Thessalonians. Remember how last week we saw in chapter number 4, verses 13 through 18, Paul had just told them about the coming of Christ for his church or for believers. And he then reminded them here of something that he had no doubt previously taught them. And I say that because he says there, for yourselves know perfectly, how would they know? Because of verse number one, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. He'd already taught them these things. These are some things that he had already reminded them of. He needs to just bring them back to their remembrance. What he reminded them of was about this matter of the day of the Lord. That will be a period of, of intense suffering and tribulation on the earth following the rapture of the church, which we looked at last week. Now these times and seasons that relate to Israel and the nations of the earth do not understand they do not apply to the church or affect the truth of the Lord's coming for the church. He may come at any time, and that will usher in the day of the Lord. Paul's emphasis here was simply that believers were in the know, while unbelievers were living in ignorance of God's plan. Why do we why, why preach a message on this then? Some of you have friends and families that you need to be concerned about. When you see what will be coming upon them, what is mentioned here, it ought to stir your heart to want to see your loved ones come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It ought to stir you in a greater way to try to see that they come to know the Lord. The suddenness of these events will reveal to the world its ignorance of divine truth. And we know there's a lot of ignorance going around about divine truth. Even among believers. I'm hearing some believers now that are questioning things about the rapture. They're thinking that we're in the midst of the tribulation period right now. Listen, what you're seeing right now is just a drop in the bucket of what the tribulation period is going to be like. This is... This ain't nothing yet, and it's getting worse. We, what we're seeing, are we're seeing some pains that are coming along the way. But understand that it's not the tribulation period. So let's, uh, let's begin this morning. Let's understand first the definition of the day of the Lord. The term the day of the Lord is a term that occurs 25 times in 23 verses, including the Old Testament prophetical books of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Zephaniah, Zechariah, and Malachi. And the New Testament books of Acts and the First and Second Thessalonians and Second Peter. It's a term that you will find in Scripture. Now, the day of the Lord is not a term which applies to a 24-hour period. We just talked about that. A day can mean 24-hour period. It can mean a longer period. It rather refers to a sequence of events that begin on earth following the rapture of the church and includes a seven-year period of judgment known as the tribulation period. That's the time of God's going to be judging men on the earth, pouring out his wrath here on the earth. Now, I want to read you a quote from a preacher and an author by the name of James Walford. Uh, he wrote this uh, that I'm going to read in his commentary on the Thessalonian epistles. And I quote here, The day of the Lord is a period of time in which God will deal with wicked men directly and dramatically in fearful judgment. Today a man may be a blasphemer of God, an atheist, can denounce God and teach bad doctrine. Seemingly God does nothing about it. But the day designated in Scripture as the day of the Lord is coming when God will punish human sin and will deal in wrath and in judgment with a Christ-rejecting world. One thing we are sure of, God in his own way will bring every soul into judgment. Unquote. Now, during the period known as the day of the Lord, John the Revelator describes to us various judgments that will take place during the tribulation period. He begins uh, by speaking of the seven seal judgments. Some of these that you may, you may be familiar with. I'm not, we're not going to turn to Revelation and, and read these things. I, I, I encourage you to be in the book of Revelation reading. There's a blessing that's attached to reading and uh, understand, coming to an understanding of the things that you read there. And so go there. You'll see that there are seven seal judgments and when the seventh seal is opened, there are seven trumpet judgments. And when the seventh trumpet is sounded, there are seven vile or bowl judgments where it's just dumped out on the earth. I mean, that's the picture that is given. When the Lord brings the judgment, it comes quickly and it's dumped out in its severity. Those are spoken of in the book of the Revelation. Now I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter number 13. 
And when we turn here, I want you to mark your place because we're going to be back here in just a little bit. And I want you to get upset with me when you say, well, if I don't know who's going to be back there, I would have marked the place. <laughs> I'm telling you ahead of time to mark it here because you're going to, we're going to be here in two different, two different times. Isaiah chapter number 13 and verse number 9 through 11. Notice what it says here. Isaiah 13 verse number 9 says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Notice the description here. Cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Now, it's a difficult description, isn't it? When you read that, you, it's not something you would want to go through. And I can guarantee you don't want your, your loved ones to go through it either. So the second thing I want us to do is not only understand the definition of the day of the Lord, but let's understand the scripture's description of the day of the Lord. We see a description here. Let's take a look at a few other places. Um, Look at uh, Zephaniah, chapter number one. If the best thing to do is turn to the end of your New Testament and flip back a couple of books, okay? That's the way I find it anyway. Amen. It's there just before... You get there to uh, Haggai, uh, little book of Zephaniah. And we see a word that is used, the word darkness. Um, the word darkness is both implied and used in our text uh, over in uh, Thessalonians. It said, the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. And I believe the implication there is uh, of some very dark times right before that day. And we're, we're living in some very dark times, aren't we? We just really are, and they're getting darker. Now here in Zephaniah chapter 1, look at verse number 14. It says, The great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord, the, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. The day is a day of wrath a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation. Notice this. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor the gold, uh, their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. Think about it. Your money's going to be no good. You can't buy your way out of that that's coming. Look at uh, the book of Joel. Little book of Joel, chapter number 2. Hosea, Joel, Amos. Okay? It's right after the book of Daniel, you'll find uh, Hosea, 
And then you'll find Joel. Joel chapter number 2 and verse number 1 and 2. Joel 2, verse number 1 and 2. It says here, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh. It is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the, the, uh, the mountains, a great people and strong there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more like after it, even to the years of many generations. Look at Amos, the next book. Amos chapter number 5. Amos 5, verse number 18. Speaks again of the darkness. Amos 5, verse number 18. Woe unto you, that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Notice this description here. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. You say, boy, that'd be unfortunate, wouldn't it? Yeah? Or notice the next. Or went into the house. You know, if he's fortunate enough to get away from the lion and the bear and you get, get in the house and lean his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. He said, that guy's not living right. Yeah, well, that's the reason why it's being poured out upon him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? See, this period will include both times of literal, physical darkness as well as a deep, deep spiritual darkness. You would think that people would be crying out to God in the midst of such, but they will be cursing at God in the midst of these things happening. Literal physical darkness will occur in the tribulation as stated in Revelation chapter 8, verse 12, where the celestial heaven is darkened by one-third, and Revelation 16.10, when total darkness descends upon the Antichrist and his kingdoms. Now I want you to consider the terror and the paralysis of darkness. I don't know about you, but I don't like being in the dark, especially if I get disoriented in the dark. So it's a bad time, isn't it? You know? Spiritual darkness is seen in Second uh, Thessalonians Chapter number 2, we read that last week, Check 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 7 through 12, when it talks about uh, the coming of the Antichrist into the world and the spiritual darkness that would be there because of that. But, but listen to verses 4 through 9 of our text. So let's get back to our text here in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Look at verse number 4. 1 Thessalonians Five verse number four says, "But ye brethren are not in darkness." He's talking to believers here. That that day should overtake you as a thief. You're all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Aren't you glad? We we're light in the Lord. The Lord has lit up our lives. But He says here, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. I mean, this time is going to come on the face of this earth, but and we need to be we need to be watchful 
And we need to be busy about what the Lord has called us to do. Notice verse 7, For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Listen, we see the dark, word darkness is used. Secondly, we see the word destruction is used. There in verse 3 of our text, it says, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. And it says there, the latter part of that, that they shall not escape. The day of the Lord will be a, a time of cataclysmic destruction. While the world is scrambling for peace, safety, security, and freedom from terrorism, the greatest devastation that the, the world has ever seen or ever will experience is going to, uh, to be coming. It's right out on the horizon and we can tell that it's not too far away. Look back at Isaiah 13 where I told you to mark. Look at verse number 6 through 8 here. Isaiah 13, verse number 6. It says, Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction, there's the word, from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid, and pains and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. We're talking about extreme pain, anguish, agony, suffering that will be taking place. Look at verse number 13. Verse 13. The Lord says here, Therefore I will shake the heavens. And the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts. And in the day of his fierce angers. It's called the day of his fierce anger. Understand when this takes place, everything on earth will be affected. There's going to be nowhere to go. You ever heard nowhere to run to, nowhere to hide? It's exactly the way it's going to be. Everything on earth will be affected. The seas, fresh water, Vegetations, islands, mountains, all going to be affected. Just read about it in the scripture. It's there. Joel chapter number 1 verse 15 says, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 7.25, Destruction cometh, and they shall seek peace, and there shall be none. Boy, there's a great call for peace, isn't there? I was watching the news this week, and even in locally here, Jacksonville, I mean, the, the shot up in the murders. You know, a lot, of, a lot of murders this past week. Um, you, you know, things that happening that you don't think. You know, people driving up to a a uh, uh, where you order food out of a food truck, and guys just took, shot one guy down. You know, I think there was like fifteen people involved in shooting the guy. You know, we think, boy, that's a that's a terrible thing to happen. Well, that happened nearby. That happened on our watch here, in Jack, over in Jacksonville area. Think about the things that are happening even right now. People calling for peace, and they'll be calling for peace in that day, but there won't be any. 
So the word destruction is used. We see the word distress is used also and, and despair is implied. The author H.G. Wells uh, is quoted as saying this. He said, Despair is a frightful queerness that there is no way out or around or through the impasse. It is the end. In other words, the despair comes when there seems to be no hope. No hope. That's when people despair. Luke chapter number 21, verse 25 and 26 says these words, And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Revelation 9 verse 6 says, And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And we might question, how in the world does that take place? Listen, God's word is true. We may not understand how that's going to take place, but it is. John chapter 3 verse 36 tells us that he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Think about that phrase, the wrath of God abideth on him. People that are alive at the time of Christ's coming, when we're going to be taken out of here, the ones that are left behind, the wrath of God abides on them. Yeah? And so I thought I was talking about hell. It's talking about hell too. But it's also talking about that time. At any moment, the wrath of God could be upon them. There is no greater horror and nothing more despairing than the hopelessness of that fact that the wrath of God is on you. How sad is it that men should hear the gospel over and over again while constantly turning away from it and rejecting it and go out facing a hopeless future having the wrath of God hanging over them. That's bad, isn't it? But it's happening. Revelation chapter number 6, verse 15 to 16. There's going to be a time in the tribulation periods. It says here, "...and the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains." and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Great fear is going to grip all unbelievers. Every unbeliever will be struck with maddening terror. No unbeliever is going to escape the judgment of God, and they can sense it. It's a period when all believers must face the fierce wrath of the Lamb of God whom they have rejected, they've denied, they've cursed, they've disobeyed, and they've disbelieved. So we've seen the definition. We've read about the description. Now let's understand the definitive nature of the day of the Lord. The definitive nature. It's going to happen. Look at Second uh, Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter number 3. Second Peter 3, Peter says here in verse number 3, 
And by the way, let's, let's back up to verse number one. He says, This second epistle, beloved, I write now unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. In other words, he, he's told them about these things before, but it's just he's trying to help them remember. Look at verse two. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. In other words, the Old Testament prophets told you these times were coming. And of the commandment of uh, us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And here's what I want us to read, verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willing, they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved in the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but it all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Think about it. Think about the devastation that's coming. Think about the warning that has been issued. The warning that's been issued. In history, there was a time when the Mount Vesuvius exploded. And it was so sudden it caught people right in the midst of what they were doing. The May 1984 National Geographic showed through color photos and drawings of swift and terrible destruction that wiped out the Roman cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum in AD 79. The explosion of Mount Vesuvius was so sudden the residents were killed while in their routine. Men and women were at the market, the rich in their luxurious baths, slaves were at toil in the field, they died amid volcanic ash and superheated gases. Even family pets suffered the same quick and final fate. It takes little imagination to picture the panic of that terrible day. Can you imagine? The saddest part is that these people did not have to die. There were warnings. Scientists confirmed what ancient Roman writers record. Weeks of rumblings and tremors preceded the actual explosion. Even a plume of smoke was clearly visible from the mountain days before the eruption. If only they had been able to read and respond to Vesuvius' warning. Can I tell you there are similar rumblings in our world? Warfare, earthquakes, nuclear threat, economic woes, breakdown of the family, breakdown of moral standards. These things have come, and while these things are not exactly new, they are increasing and do point to a coming day of judgment. 
People need not to be caught unprepared. God warns and provides an escape to those who will heed the rumblings. Look at Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew chapter number 24. Verse number 36. Matthew 24, verse 36. Jesus says here, Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and an hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were. How do we know how, what the days of Noah were like? Well, God's given it to us in the Scripture. You can go back and you can read how wicked they were. Jesus said it's going to be just like the days of Noah. He says, So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And then uh, we can not only know the wickedness, but we can also know how suddenly it came upon them. Verse 38 says, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. What does that mean? Life just went on as usual. Noah was warning them with every uh, new part that he put on the ark. Those that could see him building the ark and he was a preacher of righteousness. He preached that uh, judgment was coming for 120 years. While he was building the ark, he was signaling that God was going to send judgment. But it fell on deaf ears. Nobody repented. Only ones that were saved was Noah, his wife, his sons and their wives. Eight souls. The rest, they didn't know. Look, look at verse 39. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So, also, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay? Not only extreme wickedness, but we could say um, they just don't really care. They don't think it's going to come. They're denying it's going to come. The day of the Lord, though, is imminent in two different ways with two different spellings. When you spell imminent with an E, E-M-I-N-E-N-T, it means rising above all others, exalted, distinguished. The day of the Lord is going to be that. It's going to be a day of judgment like it's never been seen before. It's imminent in that way. In fact, the Scriptures tell us that in Matthew 24, verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Then the day of the Lord is also imminent, spelled with an I. I-M-M-I-N-E-N-T. That means likely to happen without delay. When the Lord comes back and we're out of here, the day of the Lord begins. It can happen without delay. It's impending. Lastly, I want us to understand the only deliverance from the day of the Lord. The only deliverance. There in our text, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9, we read the words, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, 
but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Things that we've talked about will be poured out on a lost world. God does not intend it for us. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that John 5 verse 24 applies to us. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believes on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. We are not of the darkness. We are children of light. The day of the Lord is a day of darkness, destruction, despair, and it's definite. But listen, you don't have to be afraid of the day of the Lord if you have Jesus. You don't have to live in fear of having to go through the day of the Lord. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, come to Him today. If you do know the Lord Jesus Christ, are you sufficiently warning your loved ones, your friends, those that you care about of this coming day? He said, but they won't listen. Well, they definitely won't listen if you don't tell them. There's always a chance that they will listen. That God's Holy Spirit will prick their heart and convince them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's His work. Our work is to preach the gospel. Our work is to share the truth. Our work is to warn of impending danger. Let's do our part and let the Holy Spirit do His part and let's leave the results to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for all of the Word of God. Lord, the things we read about this morning and talked about, there are things that's are yet in the future, and yet they are just as real and just as uh, much truth. They are going to happen exactly the way that you say. Just as much of the things in the past have happened the way that you said. Lord, that Jesus Christ came just as your word said he was going to come. All of the prophecies that were fulfilled in him, they were prophecies by different prophets all through the centuries of the Old Testament, yet they all found their fulfillment in the one person, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Emmanuel, the God with us, God in the flesh, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One from heaven. And Lord, just as sure as all of those prophecies found their fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ, regarding His first coming. All of the prophecies that have been given regarding His second coming and the things that have happened in between are just as much reality. Lord, help us to see in these times when we can see for ourselves and see things are rapidly disintegrating. Society is crumbling at the core. Uh, there's things that might make our heart, if we get our, get our eyes on the world, that causes our heart to, to, uh, to be full of, of care, be full of anxiety, but we're not be looking at what's happening in the world. We, we're to keep our eyes focused upon you. Lord, help us as believers to realize we're, we're not of the darkness. We're children of light. And as we're children of light, we're responsible to share the light that we have in this dark world in which we live. The, dark, the world is already darkened and it's darkening. 
but we have the light of life. We have your word also. The word, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Help us, Lord, to, to use the light that you have given us to show the way to others. And if there's one here today that does not know Christ, help them to come to know Christ today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.